Welcome back to another episode of the Doggone Truth of Rescue with Always and Forever. Tonight, we're going to dive into community events and volunteering with our two guests that we have. And first, we will start with Miranda. Can you tell us what your role is with Always and Forever and how you got started? Like everyone with Always and Forever, I kind of wear a million hats. If I had to pick one, I would call myself the volunteer and fun coordinator. I started out as just a nighttime feeder back before we had any staff and they just needed someone for 30 minutes to come feed the dogs. And then it turned into a multi-time a week thing. Then I started posting dog pictures of the dogs on our social media pages and it just kind of snowballed from there. I remember the day that Jen asked if I could take a larger role always in forever and it was the greatest day of my life did she ask or were you voluntold it was voluntold okay yeah. everything's always voluntold with jen <laughs> <laughs> and so like i said it snowballed into a constant thing i i don't remember the last time i sat down and watched tv because now i'm always doing always in forever stuff a lot of the social media stuff that i do is virtual and so it means when my husband's driving me around town, when I'm at the dinner table, when I'm cooking, I'm always on my phone, scheduling posts, getting volunteer waivers organized, posting on our website, uh, everything that goes along with social media and coordinating volunteers and getting our events up and going. Well, we appreciate the time that you put into it. I know I dabble a little bit with the TikToks and some of the other posts and it is time consuming. I think Sai can finally vouch for that as she attempted to do a few TikToks here and there. Sheila was my go-to one. I was like, Sheila, I need your help. Put this TikTok together for me. So when it took her forever to respond back, I'm like, let me learn this on my own. And I saw, I finally did did. it. You did did post a TikTok of McCoy. But I'm not going to do another one. I don't think people realize how much time and effort goes into the editing yeah. of the post and then the amount of posts that always in forever put out there which makes us so different than other shelters so we appreciate it and we thank your husband for <laughs> putting up with it shout out to hubby yeah yeah no and that's another thing about the social media for us is that we do post so much that it's hard to Make sure that your post is your important post is going to stand out against the everyday videos that everyone prefers to see. You know, they don't always prefer to see a flyer about, hey, we need money for this and we need people to show up for this. They want to see the dogs running around. So it's really hard to make sure that I'm posting something that's engaging and eye catching and gets my point across really quickly so that people will will do what I need them to do to keep always and forever going and um, keep these events going, too. And do you have a full-time job outside of Always and Forever? Yes, I have a very, very full-time job. And thanks to Always and Forever, I have five dogs at my house. And so I am a very busy person. Like I said, I don't watch TV very often. (laughs) That might be a new record, five. So with us tonight, we also have Victoria. Welcome. Cotsworth, I am. My title, I suppose, is Assistant Volunteer Coordinator. So that means everything else that Miranda didn't get done. (laughs) Well, and I was, I was actually offered the position. No one twisted my arm to do this. I think they finally realized they were about to wear Miranda out and she needed some assistance. And so they offered me the assistant position. I said, well, what does that mean? They said, well, you, you will get a job description shortly. That was three years ago. So I just sort of make up my own job description. I'm a retired teacher. I love people. I love talking to people. 
Lots of folks in our group do not. They like dogs. They don't like people. So I do the people side of things. I answer the 800 number. I get phone calls from all over the country, uh, which I love. And now my phone number is everywhere, um, which is a little concerning. But uh, so I do that. I organize uh, trips when groups might want to come out and visit and maybe do some volunteering. I help organize that. We have kids that have come out for birthday parties. I put that together. It's, it's kind of an organization thing, but it's a lot of working with people, which I love to do. The thing that is really probably the, the closest to my heart is going to visit some of the assisted living facilities in our communities. I love people and I love dogs and it's a perfect match. It was something that just happened accidentally. Someone called us on the 800 number and said, do you ever take your dogs to visit other places? And I said, Sure, although I wasn't really sure we did, (laughs) but I was sure we could. So I got a few volunteers together, and we took some of the dogs from the Little Red Barn and went to visit a group of senior citizens. And the minute we walked in and I saw everybody's faces light up, I thought, this is a good thing. And we spent about half an hour visiting, you know, everybody. And when we left, they said, well, when are you coming back? Well, I hadn't thought about that. (laughs) So we've now got a real schedule together. Um, We go to three different facilities. We probably could do more, but they like us to come during the day. They reserve weekends for family visits, understandably. So they like us to come on weekdays, and that means the, the volunteers have to kind of not have a job, you know. So we, we have a small group to, to, to pull from. I can do it because I'm retired, and so I'm, you know, I'm a perfect person to, to take that job on. But we, we love it. We, we think that as we build on the homestead, once we have our community building, I can see all kinds of potential with bringing people to us as well. And I have visions of people walking on our paths with the dogs and enjoying the woods and the nature. And I, it's going to be great. It's already great and it's just going to get better. So that's right now probably my main thing. But like everybody else at with Always and Forever, things change. When we started this, we had no idea what we were doing. It just sort of happened. And that's one thing I love about the organization is when somebody has a good idea, we do it. We find ways for it to even get better. I think we're learning that as we go of Cy and I will sit here on the podcast and shout out an idea as a joke. And then (laughs) Jen takes it seriously. And then all of a sudden we're playing Mortal Kombat flag football ninja warrior (laughs) with football players. We were totally set up for that. (laughs) But I agree that this is one of the best things about the organization of any random idea. If there is a positive to it, we're going to try it out. Volunteers will will ask. One thing I, I do partly part time too is is some of the orientation orientations at the Little Red Barn, and people will say, "Well, you know, how do we get involved?" I said, "Just have a, have an idea. You know, any anything you you come up with, throw it out there. It might work, it might not, but everybody's going to think about it. <laughs> and a good idea is always appreciated." Can you talk us through what an orientation looks like? From I want to volunteer 
What's the first step to showing up to the barn and going through the orientation? Well, on our website is is a place to sign up for the orientation sessions. We offer two a month. Uh, one's on a Saturday, one's on a Sunday. Uh, we limit it to a small number of about six because we actually meet in the barn. Um, there's not a lot of room, and there's also a lot of barking. So six people is, is about the, the limit. Um, you do need to sign a volunteer waiver actually to do any of the activities with the dogs, you need to sign a volunteer waiver. That's on our website under forms. And then you sign up. It takes about an hour. We have a handout. We go through, um, we talk a lot about safety because volunteers are working with our dogs. You might be leading an individual dog. You might be working with a group of dogs. You might be doing really glamorous things like scooping poop, uh, laundry, you know. And I tell, you know, I tell people um, at the orientation, when you come to volunteer, you come in, you, you sign up to volunteer so the volunteers know you're coming. But you come in and you say, what do you need? Because depending on when you get there and what the staff has already gotten done, it's different every time. It could be anything. It could be walking dogs. It could be sitting and playing with dogs, which is also very important. Just that socialization time with the dogs and to to love on them and just to snuggle them because they all need that. That's one thing that's really special about Always and Forever because we do that. That is a part of the day. But once you've you've done orientation, it takes about an hour, then you just sign up. And that's the beauty to a bit of being a volunteer. You come when you want to, you know. You can come every we have one volunteer that literally comes every day. Some people come once a month. It's you do what you can. And we have a number of things that people can do off campus, phone work, paperwork, the fundraising, which is always ongoing. A lot of that you don't have to come out to Spring Hill to do. You do that on your couch. And that keeps things rolling too. So there's all kinds of ways to volunteer and, and to help. So working at the Little Gray Barn for me, volunteers are very special and I'm, I'm so grateful for them. Volunteers, you, you don't have to come and be physical. The cuddling, the reading the books to the dog, it means so much to the dog. So okay, shout out yes. to our volunteers. With volunteering, does it look any different for our cat lovers? It does because they're in a different place. Most of our cats, and I could be wrong about the most, Miranda, but a lot of our cats are in foster homes. We have a few, I think, maybe a few every now and then at the Osawatomie Pound because they're strays and you never know who's going to get picked up. But a lot of our cats are at the PetSmart on 119th, uh, right off of I-35. So there is a whole team of volunteers that take care of them there. We have, I think it's a smaller team because there are fewer cats, but um, they don't go out and do the community visits for with, with us because they're cats and they we're afraid they get loose. <laughs> and I know they would get loose. PetSmart has been, has been wonderful um, just in the exposure that they give us because people come in and see those cute little cats. That's I think, has a lot to do with them getting adopted. So there's definitely a need for volunteers to come in and clean and feed and, well, and play with them, especially the, the strays or the young ones need that socialization so that when people pick them up, they snuggle. And we always, always need foster homes for dogs and cats. That is a huge need. I personally think fostering saves two lives. It saves the dog or cat you're fostering, but it also opens a spot for us to save another one. So 
So fosters are hugely important, both dog and cat. So with the cats, do they have to do the same orientation, though, of come out to the barn and go through that? If, if I'm okay. specifically, I'm not, but I've tried to do better right. bringing up cats in episodes. <laughs> um, I think that really I would say just contact the, the cat coordinator, and they just kind of walk you through that. Or you can even just walk in on a Saturday, and usually there's somebody there and say, I'd like to help. It is a smaller group just because we don't have as many cats as we do dogs. So yeah, as important as our dog volunteering is, our cat volunteering in a way is almost more important because we don't have staff that take care of the cats all day. They're at PetSmart, but um, the PetSmart staff aren't really there to take care of our cats. And so we have volunteers that go there every morning and every evening to clean the kennels, just check on all the cats and make sure no one has any goopy eyes or kitty vomit in their <laughs> in their little boxes. We also have a totally separate cat adoption team that works similar to a dog adoption team. And they run, uh, they help process the applications. And then the volunteers are the ones that run all those meet and greets. So the cat coordinator will, in our chat group, they'll say, hey, is there anyone available for 5 p.m. today? And anyone that can come over before or after dinner and help introduce the cats, because again, PetSmart staff can't do that. And we don't want people just going up there and handling our cats without us. So we really rely on those volunteers to be to be there. And yeah, on Saturdays, we're trying to start a new thing where uh, we're trying to have volunteers there all day long. So Saturday's the bu- busiest day at PetSmart and people do want to hold the cats. And so if we have volunteers there that can take an hour shift at some point in the day, then odds are there's going to be a couple families that stop by and want to hold the cats. And it's it's nice if we can do that for them because we'll be there. So that's perfect information. And I always wondered how that did work at PetSmart because you see them there and I didn't know if it was under the PetSmart employees or the shelters that were in there actually running it. Learn something new this episode. We, we really have had pretty good luck uh, finding families, uh, but they're so cute. You know, who could, who could not? <laughs> you know? I think it's easier to have a few more cats in the house than dogs. You obviously don't have many cats. No, I'm none. No cats. I have two. It's not easy. Do you have any other pets besides your cats? I have four dogs and four horses. Oh, oh The horses are not in the house, but they'd like to be. So you do have a folk. I used to be a horse girl. Sheila's a I grew up riding girl. horses, so I understand the work that goes yeah. into all of that. I, I have a little farm, so it, you know I do have a place for most of them. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, I never meant to have six animals in my house, and Welcome neither, did, and neither did my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Now, at this time of the year, I remember seeing posts about Clear the Shelters. Is that something you guys help out with, with community events? Yeah, like the Bissell adoption events. Yeah, we partner with Bissell several times a year, and they will help contribute uh, money towards every adoption that we get during the time period that they've set. And so we do really try to push during those times because we don't charge adoption fees to our adopters. And so if Bissell gives us money for those adoptions, then that's really great. Last year at this time, we did do a really big push. Um, We used to really focus on finding homes for the holidays. And that's because we used boarding facilities. And boarding facilities like to prioritize their other clients over us. Um, They generally ask that we move our dogs out over the holidays. And so that was one of our biggest reasons for always needing to clear our shelters, although not really shelters, our boarding dogs over the holidays. And so now that we have all our own locations and our own staff taking care of the dogs. None of our dogs get, are become homeless over the holidays. You know, they're always with us. Of course, we want to try and get them in a foster home, even if it's just the weekend. You know, Christmas is on a Sunday this year. 
And it'd be really great if we could get all the dogs, even if it's just at one location, because our staff really does work 24-7. We don't get a day off if we're sick. You still got to go take care of the dogs. And so if we can find them all homes over the holidays when most people are home and they have more flexibility to to bring an extra dog in for a couple days, it does help our staff maybe a day off for the first time. And gosh, I've been with this for four years. I've never gotten a day off. (laughs) I actually love how that works with the holidays, taking the dog home. Actually, Sheila and I plan on taking one of the pups from Little Greyborn home for the holidays. Did you decide? I think I'm going to do McCoy. My kids love McCoy. Sheila already has a drawer full of Roma toys. Roma will be spoiled very much um, when she comes here. So we look forward to that. Um, For our listeners that don't follow us on social media, but listen to our podcast, if you can... We have that information posted on our website if you guys need more information, even on Facebook. Yeah, we have a whole page dedicated to holiday fostering. And a lot of people wonder, like, well, doesn't uprooting a dog for a day, bringing them in a home, and then taking them right back the next day, isn't that hard for them? And there's been so many studies that show that, no, this is really so great. It gives the dog the break, even in our environments where we try to be as relaxing and comforting and home-like as possible. It doesn't compare to being in a real home. And even just that one day away really does, uh, they benefit so much from it. And so there's all sorts of articles and Q&A information and the link to how to become a holiday foster. I mean, I know I appreciate just a random night out in a hotel, different environment, relax, order in some food, watch TV. I feel like it's the same thing for a dog to just change up your environment. But how many other organization do you know that does this? You know, no, I don't. I don't know of any. And that's Shout the out thing. to Always and Forever. <laughs> and that's the thing about when you're involved in rescue and you start volunteering really small, and next thing you know, you have five dogs in your house. You know, I can't foster anymore. I've tried. My five dogs don't want me to foster anymore. And so the or the hotel sleepover program allows people to still foster even if they can't foster at their home, whether their landlord says no dogs or their husband's over their head with the five dogs you already have. It's nice to just have a night out. And yeah, we will pay for you to go to a hotel and we'll pay for your dinner. And you just take one of our dogs, take lots of pictures, show how great they are and just spend the night with them and give them that night out. And then Miranda, I know you around this time have some other special things you do on social media with the dogs. Do you want to dive into that a little bit more of what we can look forward to this month leading up to Christmas. So lately with the social media posts, I've been promoting our holiday gift sets and any, every all the things we have in our holiday shop. This is the first year we've really had a holiday shop. And so we were kind of testing the waters to see how it goes. And it, we, we sold out everything and it w- turned out to be a great fundraiser. I was going to say it went extremely well because mm-hmm. by the time I saw the post and went on to order my niece, one of the beanie bag, beanie bag, why can't I say that? Beanie, beanie, baby. beanie baby dogs mm-hmm. with it because she's obsessed with Cadillac and it was already sold out. I'm like, oh. yeah. And then even with hoodies, we were trying to get matching hoodies. I do have an extra Cadillac. No comment on the hoodies. Who handles merchandise? Jody. Jody does, but uh, we've kind of handed it over to Lee's Front Porch. Lee's and Front so. Porch, shout out. Can we get some more uh, merchandise on <laughs> on stock online, yeah. please? Yep. <laughs> they sell out as fast as they come in. Over Thanksgiving, because they were closed over Thanksgiving, and I thought, okay, I'm, I've got time to get down there and buy a TK hoodie. 
Wrong. They sold out online. I forgot about that. Go up there. Buy it. <laughs> and what they've reordered. There's more. There, there's a, Not there, in my size, Victoria. Well, but there may be more. You know, um, I think we didn't realize the volume. I mean, I just can't thank Mara enough, Mara, for, for letting us mm-hmm. do. I mean, she has donated space. She's making not a dime on this. She does all of the packaging and mailing. And I mean, she's not officially a volunteer, but she truly is. I mean, yeah. we should, we, we should pay her, you know. Hi, Mara. Just because. I would like to buy some merchandise. Yeah. She's just a fabulous person. And I think Jody is, is realizing how fast things are moving. You know, for the longest time, we really just had our shirts in boxes in somebody's house. It makes a difference when you can see it, you could try it on, new stuff comes in, and you can ship it. And it, and it goes out timely. I mean, yeah. it goes out the next day. And going back to the holiday gift sets thing, I shipped all of those. And, ooh, yeah, that is a whole workload. It's so hard to do. And the holiday gift set started just with an idea. You know, you see World Wildlife Fund does it. And I received things like that growing up from my aunt, ASPCA packages at the holidays. And I was like, well, we should do something. And I like mentioned it to a bunch of people and everyone was just like, yeah, that's a great idea. And I was like, all right, I just owned it and took it on. And really any volunteer with an idea, just let us know and we will let you own it and run with it. Were you the one in charge of the paintings as well with paw prints? Mm-hmm. We did a painting session last summer and it went pretty well with Sally. But then afterwards, we didn't know what to do with them. I actually still have most of them in my house because I didn't know how to auction them off. But now that I'm more involved with fundraising and our website, and I know how to set these sales up and uh, promote them. So when I thought about the gift set packages, I actually was just going to do the Beanie Babies with the the little baggie. And then um, I had the idea to do the paintings and I was only going to do like five of them. And I put it at like a price point that I thought was kind of high. And then next thing I know, we sold like 30 of them. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to make a bunch of more paintings because I didn't expect people to want it that much. And yeah, it wound up being a really great thing. And we're going to do it for Valentine's Day now too with TK and Copper and the other dogs. And yeah, people were really involved. And it's also nice, you know, I can say a million times on our social media posts, please give us money. You know, this is, it's going towards this, it's going towards that. But being able to receive something for your donation, especially around the holidays, and you can give that to someone else, not only does it spread word about us, if you give a family member a gift set or a painting, but it also supports the animals that always and forever. We didn't do it with cats, though, because <laughs> I'm not painting with cats. Talk, talk about the Christmas cards. Yeah, uh, so now that we've sold out of the gift sets and it, all the ornaments, um, we're focusing on the Christmas card fundraiser, which is something we started last year. And we actually raised $9,000. With the Christmas card fundraiser, we were overwhelmed last year. So we're more prepared this year and we're hoping we get the same amount of cards sent in. And basically it's kind of a competition between, you know, sort of between our different locations and between the different dogs and cats that we have there. And we ask that everyone mail in a card to your favorite ANF animals. You can send multiple, um, with just a small donation. It can be one dollar, it could be five dollars, it can be whatever you want. And then we tally it all up and the dog that 
or cat that gets the most, or maybe we'll do one per location since we've really expanded this year. And they'll get a special gift. I don't remember what we did last year, but we'll probably take them out on a special date and let them open up some presents or take them to PetSmart and let them pick out a, a toy or something along those lines, something really special. And we do try to sit down with the dogs and open the cards with them. And people write just the sweetest notes. I mean, like I said, we raised $9,000 last year and our staff for our holiday party, we just sat around and read all the cards. And just all the heartfelt notes from people all over the world was so heartwarming. And, you know, it just reminds us that it's really worth it because you're not only changing the lives of the dogs and the cats, but you're changing the lives of people around the world who follow them. And are you still doing the reading the Christmas books to the dogs as well? Is that you? Yes. (laughs) Well, it was easier last year because um, we were able to clear this shelter. I'm not sure if we'll be able to clear the Little Red Barn this year. We have a couple holiday fosters lined up. But if we get some more, it'd be great. We had just one dog left last year, and so I I read him a Christmas story. On Giving Tuesday this year, we decided to kind of revive that, and we were Facebook Live all day long to raise money, and the little gray barn has the cuddle room, and it's very peaceful and just really snuggly in there. And so we took Grandpa in there, and we read him a couple Christmas stories on Facebook Live. And doing that reminds volunteers that they can come and do this too. We say goodnight to the dogs every night. We give them big kisses, and we, we always post videos of us tucking the dogs in each night. And volunteers can come and do that too. They can come read stories to our dogs and spend time just snuggling them. And that is something that my niece, they live in Tennessee, but that's something she works towards is an animal shelter out there that she's only in fourth grade, but she goes and reads the dog's stories. So not only is it working on her reading skills, but she's there reading to the dogs and they're getting their cuddles as well. So that's also something to think about if you have kids that enjoy dogs to go to the volunteer orientation, bring a few of your school books that you need to read through and come to the cuddle room and work on your reading skills. We we have done that. Yeah, we actually have taken some of our, our dogs. I think both were alumni dogs, but we went to um, an elementary school and the second graders came out in little groups and re- each, each person read a page to the dogs. And my dog went to sleep. <laughs> You've done a lot of community events. Which do you think has had the biggest impact within the community? It's hard to say because I think it's in different ways. I mean, I know we make a big impact visiting the senior residences because they don't, so many people have had dogs and they can't have them there. And they, you know, you don't stop loving a dog just because you don't personally have a dog. But I think also when youth groups come out, I consider those kids future dog rescuers. You don't know where that's going to go but I hope it's going somewhere. Or if we take a couple of dogs to visit uh, a scout troop and talk to them about rescue and how a dog from our place is different than maybe your dog that's sitting on the couch with you watching TV. Those, I mean, it's all important. And I don't think some of those things you know. You don't know. I mean, as a teacher, I I know how that works. You don't know where that's going to go, maybe ever, but you know it's going somewhere. So they're all important, you know. And going off of the impact on the children and just that awareness to them, it's so easy for them to walk into the mall and go to the pet store and see the puppies there. 
And they might just have that mindset that that's where dogs come from. Like if I want a dog, we go to the pet store and get it. But then just introducing rescue and shelters to them through the volunteer groups is going to make a difference in sports world. So I work for the Chiefs full time. We call it fan development of like, you have to develop it at a young age. So you just grow up and you're a Chiefs fan. And how can we do that? And I feel like having them come and going to the schools is making children fans of rescue dogs. <laughs> well, and you know, we, we say we, we don't even mince words with it, you know, if if you ever want a dog, rescue a dog. You don't have to spend money to get a dog, especially with us. They all need homes. One of my very favorite things I did last year was I spent a day at one of the middle schools in Spring Hill. It was uh, an art teacher, and actually she, she had been a volunteer with us, and her kids had come out and had birthday parties at our place. But she has a portrait class in middle school. They all did portraits of, of our dogs. And they auctioned them at the end of the year and made like $300 for us. I remember seeing that on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. That was just her idea. She called and said, can you do that? And I said, sure. (laughs) You know, and it was just a matter of spending a day with them. I loved it. How do I find out about all these events and sign up specifically of like, I want to do the coffee shops or I want to do the community service? We have a a volunteer page that on our website and on our Facebook. And we try to just list out bullet by bullet every event that's coming up and every opportunity. We list out the adoption and the foster team and how you can help with those remotely. I, I list every date that we have coming up for the senior home visits. And if I'm noticing people aren't signed up for the adoption event that weekend, I'll do an email blast. I'll text people. We, we try to put it, I have a Google calendar that you can subscribe to. I really, I put it in like four different places um, to try and make it as easy as possible for people to see these events when they come up because we post a whole lot and it's easy to miss things. Another thing that's interesting about these events is I think it's so neat to see our dogs in a different environment. You know, I see them every day in the barn, but to see their excitement walking into the senior home or at an adoption event where people are literally just climbing on top of them to rub their belly and just the excitement and the socialization that they get from the adoption events, it's it's really great to see. Not that things are ever boring, at the barn, but a day out on the town to go drive down to the barquet and be the center of attention for a couple of hours is just the greatest thing ever for the dogs. And, um, yeah, I always enjoy the parades that they all go mm-hmm. to, the joy on their faces of walking and seeing everybody on the sidewalk cheering for them. Yeah. Like they are the king and queen of the parade. We did a lot. We did at least five or six parades this year on some very hot days. And yes. the dogs were always troopers for us. And yeah, they really love it. And there was one event where we were put right by the drum line and the dogs did not appreciate that so much. It's a little loud. But other than that, no, they love being the center of attention anywhere we go. And they always get a pup cup on the way home too. So there's some bribing there too. It's not really a question, but as we like progress and we get deeper into our podcasts of different subjects, this is really the doggone truth of rescues. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Find and you learn different things of how much love goes into always and forever and making it who we are today. Widespread awareness within the community and the impact that we have on it, the amount of volunteers that we need to make that possible, mm-hmm. that I don't think other shelters might put the energy into it like we do. Like their main goal, I think, is to get the dogs out and adopted where we're 
making an impact within the community. Mm-hmm. And Always and Forever is a known name now. On orientation, it's on the, right at the top of the handout, is the, the four goals of Always and Forever. And of course, one is to get pets adopted. Another one is to give back to the community, so people as well as pets. Another one is education about what rescue is and how it works and how important it is. And the last one is to live each day to its fullest because we've all learned that. So those four goals, to me, really matter equally. I mean, obviously, we want to get all of our pets adopted, but pets are good for people and vice versa. And working with people, I think, in in our community and and beyond, you know, Spring Hill, I mean, as as far as we can reach. I mean, we have have followers all over the, the, the world, really. We touch a lot of people, and I think we improve a lot of lives with our mission. It's it's funny you say that because like I'm driving in Blue Springs and I see a car with a decal on it and it's always and forever. I'm like, uh, I don't have one. (laughs) Go online and look for a decal. All sold out. (laughs) Like, it's amazing how much awareness that Mm -hmm. we spread, not only in Kansas, Missouri. Sheila, where are we at with our... Let me me look it up. It might take a minute. Please hold. Is there a dog you guys would like to give a shout out to for this episode? Miranda? I will give a shout out to Sydney. He is actually the star of every community event. He go he went to every parade this summer almost, every single adoption event. He goes to the community, the senior events every week. He is everybody's favorite dog. He is one of the greatest dogs we've ever had, and yet he's still with us. And I don't know why. He okay. is such a sweet little puppy. And give us a little background about Sydney. He came to us from death row last year. He had a cough and him and 12 other dogs with a cough were going to be put down one day and it was actually Jen's birthday and so she decided to tag them all and we had never done anything like that although now it's kind of normal to tag you know 100 dogs on one day. Um, Back then it was unheard of and so we got these 12 dogs in and he was actually adopted immediately. He was only six months old at the time. He was just a little guy. He was a puppy and he got adopted to a family that I think maybe wasn't ready for a puppy and he never got the training he needed and ultimately he was returned for chewing things up and jumping the fence being a puppy that has never known training and so he has been back with us since I think July so uh, five or six months and again he went to every adoption event and everyone was like I want to fill out an application for this dog he loves all people he loves all dogs and we try to train him but he's still very hyper and when there's 20 other dogs that are competing for our attention we don't have the resources to train him and it's also hard to uh, train a dog when they're at the barn because we don't know how they're going to act in a home he's actually very well like very well behaved in the barn for the most part but when he's going to be back in a home environment hopefully someday he's still going to need someone to teach him not to chew things up and how to be a real dog because he's never been able to have that opportunity and so he's not one of our senior dogs but he has grown up with us and stolen all of our hearts and I don't know why he hasn't been picked yet. One question on the adoption events that you mentioned. How many people do you get that say, I'm going to go fill out 
out an adoption form. Oh, we want him. Like, what percentage do you think that is that we, it actually follow through from we the We get quite a few. And I think one thing that people don't realize is maybe they go to our website and realize that our adoption application is several pages long and the process takes several weeks. I think they think, oh, I'll just take him home today. And we have to explain that, no, that's not how we do it. We want to make sure it's the best fit for you and for him. And so I think uh, there's probably the biggest reason for follow through because everyone truly does love our dogs when we're out, but we're not like other rescues where you can just take them home the same day. And a lot of people are unprepared for that and don't understand that. Which I appreciate so much because a dog is not an in a moment decision. Mm-hmm. It allows them to go home, they yeah. get over, get over the excitement and the idea of having a dog, but really think of the implications. And I just actually went through and did the foster form um, to foster Roma. And the amount of questions that were on there made me really self-reflect on, well, what do I do in these situations? Mm -hmm. And how do I handle that of questioning how I would be a dog owner to a dog outside of one that I've had for 12 years and the different scenarios that I haven't had to dealt with in a while. So I do Mm -hmm. appreciate the forms, respect that we make people go through. (laughs) So don't just take a dog home and then return it or get rid of it within three days when that Mm -hmm. fun wears off. We've learned from the past mistakes of, yeah, just adopting a puppy to a family and just sending them on their way. And now we require that, you know, they have another dog so that the dog can be socialized as they grow up and at a certain age for puppies and that they do puppy training classes because it seems like a lot of our puppies, which we don't get very often, but a lot of them get returned for puppy behaviors that never got socialized or trained out of them when they were young. And so now they're a full grown dog, which is harder to adopt out for us. And we have to kind of retrain them on our own. And so we're trying to prevent that and get these puppies into into homes that actually will take the time to turn them into great dogs. And Victoria, your favorite dog? Is it a puppy, senior, middle-aged? I, I am to second Sydney because I see a different side of Sydney. Now, I see the crazy puppy also when I'm at the barn and he's running around being true puppy, bouncing off things, running into me. But he also goes to the nursing homes with us and he is the sweetest, most gentle dog. He almost tippy toes. He will walk up to somebody, lay his head in their lap and just take up take the love he is he understands the situation and he can calm down i know with probably not a lot of effort he would be a wonderful dog in anyone's home because he understands so i am definitely a Sydney fan. <laughs> and he will be on the cover of this episode. So if you're wondering what Sydney looks like, that'll give you a brief preview. And if you want to check out more pictures of him, he is listed on the Always and Forever website, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And if so he is your favorite, I'm assuming you might post about him a little bit more often on yes, the... <laughs> today. Picture <laughs> Perfect. And then to go back on size question of where we are now within the world, of our impacts across the world. We have had listeners in a total of 572 cities and 38 countries, and we have we have now hit six continents. So we have finally one download in South America, and then we have Africa, Asia, Europe, North America, and Australia. Where do we need to reach so I can make some friends in some new country? Antarctica. Antarctica. <laughs> okay. Antarctica. Got it. 
So, yep. But so we are all over the world. Which Let's we go. <laughs> Do we ship merchandise all over the world? Yes. That's another thing that Lee's does for us. They will ship internationally. And I have shipped one thing internationally for us. And she is a saint for doing that for us. It is very difficult with the custom forms. Um, but we do understand that we have so many followers outside of the country. Um, and even just across the border in Canada, but you still have to go through customs with our shipping. So do ship our merchandise internationally. And again, we're just so thankful for that because we were missing that for well over a year, I think. And we would get messages daily saying, where's your merchandise? And we would just say, we're working on it. We're trying. And that's a reminder with the Christmas cards too. We brought it up on, I think our last episode with it. If you want to send a card to the barn please do that but then as far as the donation do it online and put the dog name instead of us having to deal with the currency (laughs) exchanging it out (laughs) beth uh, i think it was beth that mentioned it on the last one so you can still take part in the cards for the holidays as well and then lastly what we usually ask everybody on the episode is we tie in the homestead and what that is going to mean to your current position with always and forever hold on i got something to say Homestead, Miranda, let's start with you. Okay. What does the homestead mean to you? You guys didn't touch base on that subject, did you? That's what I was just saying. Oh, my bad. Okay, start over. Inside, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> Delete that. Go ahead, Sheila. For me, the homestead does not mean my current job title. I have told Jen that I will run the tiny dog barn. I am a tiny dog mom, and I would love to run the tiny dog barn. Not necessarily the puppy barn, but the tiny dog barn. I love to scoop them up and hold them like little babies. I don't need a human baby. I've got my little dog babies. And so obviously all the community things and the volunteer work will explode. We'll need volunteer team for every barn, I'm sure. But I'm most excited about the the little dog barn because right now we don't have a space for little dogs. If we want to rescue a little dog, it has to come to a foster home. And like I said, I keep trying to do that, but six just does not work at my house. And so I'm really excited to be able to have a space that we could bring little dogs because they just don't work in the in the barns that we have now. The They'll get trampled. They'll get lost. It, it's very hard to have them in our current space. So I'm looking most forward to that. And it's probably going to be easier with social media of being able to just hop barn to barn and kind of keep track of the walkthroughs and which dogs have been posted instead of all the communication and groups between everybody to make sure everybody (laughs) is doing what they're supposed to do. And Victoria, homestead to you. One thing I've learned the hard way maybe about always and forever is don't predict what's going to happen because You just really don't know. I, I think the homestead is going to open so many opportunities, so many avenues for all kinds of events and activities. I definitely envision some groups from our senior residences coming over to visit us there, enjoying, you know, walking the dogs on our paths and being outside in our park area, see more kid groups coming over, scout groups, birthday parties, that kind of thing. I just open for whatever happens because I think it's going to open opportunities for more people to understand rescue and understand interacting with dogs and cats because right now people don't really get to play with our cats very much. They're kind of in their own own world. But I think that we will have more opportunity for people to enjoy the cats and get to know the cats. And who knows, you know, I mean, we may we may end up with uh, more than another 40 acres. I'm ready to expand already. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you just, you know, one thing about Always and Forever is it just, it's not set in stone. I know what we have now is not what Jen envisioned at all four years ago. So who knows? I think the homestead is just going to redefine what rescues can look like mm-hmm. and that definition of it and what else can be done within the community and rescue organization. The addition of the, the veterinary clinic, mm-hmm. I can see all kinds of, of ways that that can give back to the community for people who maybe can't afford preventative meds for their pet and so they give their pet up or they can't spay and neuter their pet so that's not good. If we can help people keep their pets in their home, that's rescue up front so those pets don't ever have to come to a place like Always and Forever. They stay home with people that love them but we can help with their medical care. It's been so long. Thank you to Miranda and Victoria for coming out today and joining us on our podcast. Thank you, too, for joining us today on our podcast. Again, thank you both for everything you do for Always and Forever. And as always, it's never too late for Happily Ever After. (laughs) 